Hi, and welcome to Effective's Top 10 Tips podcast. Each episode is a quick roundup of practical, easy to implement tips on a wide range of management and personal development themes. As always, full show notes for this episode, including a handy summary of each tip, are available on our website. Just see the episode notes for this and many other useful links. We also offer workshops and coaching on all topics covered in this podcast. If you'd like to find out more, just visit our website, effectiveconnect.co.uk. This week's top 10 tips are all about managing time. Okay, tip one, stop blaming time. Have you ever heard yourself say, I'd like to have done it, but I just didn't have the time. What you really mean is, it wasn't enough of a priority for me just then. So all time management is really priority management. We're really blaming and scapegoating time when time isn't the problem. We all have the same amount of time, 24-7-365. It's what we do with it that counts. And what we do with time is determined by our or others priorities. At work, a lot of our time is owned by other people. But whatever is left, including our out-of-work time, is owned by us. Time is then spent according to our priorities, officially or unofficially, consciously or unconsciously. We can tell anyone's priorities by how they choose to spend their time. Tip 2. Consider opportunity costs. When deciding your priorities, consider the opportunity cost of whatever you might do. Because in doing A, you then deny yourself the opportunity of doing B or C at the same time. So, the cost of doing A is the opportunity lost to do B or C. So, for example, staying late to finish a report has the opportunity cost of perhaps taking your child to the park. The benefit of your decision to do A should at least be equivalent to the benefit you are giving up by not doing B or C. Using this approach helps you be clearer about spending your time on what really matters. Tip 3. See interruptions as service enquiries. Most of us have to deal with interruptions most days, and we tend to see them as negative. But in fact many, maybe most, of our interruptions are what we are there for. They are a core part of our job. People come to see us for information, for guidance, for support, or to keep us in the loop, all of which are important. So to get away from the negative perspective produced by the word interruption, Use the words service enquiry instead. That is, most interruptions are in fact service enquiries. Then assess or estimate, perhaps by keeping a log for a fortnight, how much of your day is taken up with these legitimate service enquiries. Then make a time budget allowance for this. For example, set aside 90 minutes each day for these enquiries. Of course, you can't schedule such inquiries. They come pretty randomly through the day. But you can make an allowance each day on your to-do list of managing them. If you do that, you are then likely to be more realistic about what is achievable in the day. 
as well as feeling less pressured when you are, quotes, interrupted. Tip 4. The brick, the splash and the bucket. Think of your current workload as a bucket full to the brim with water. That's your current workload. You are full. There is no extra capacity. Then imagine new work or extra demands coming in as a brick about to be dropped into that bucket. What happens? Well clearly there will be a splash. That is, water will be displaced by the brick. So, it's your job to either say no to the brick, which is to prevent the splash, or choose what splashes over the side. That is, stop doing something or doing to a certain level in order to make room for the incoming work. You can either manage the splash yourself or ask your manager to decide. If you say yes to the brick and you don't want any splash, you are effectively building a bigger bucket. And people will continue to lob bricks in since you always seem to be able to absorb the extra demand by, of course, building a bigger and bigger bucket. So it's up to you. Manage the brick, or manage the splash, or manage your bucket. Tip 5. Challenge the T. What I mean by this is, instead of saying it didn't work, cross off the T of it, and see if that makes any difference by converting the it into an I. So instead of it didn't work, it now reads as I didn't work at it. Whenever we say it instead of I, we are likely to be blaming it rather than taking responsibility for the action and result. For example, the meeting, it didn't work, might be better expressed as I didn't work well enough in that meeting. Or it, the training, didn't work, might also mean I didn't do enough with the training I received. Replacing it with I alerts you to the possibility of personal responsibility rather than blame. Tip 6. Urgent and important. Urgent and important travel different paths. If something is urgent it doesn't mean it is automatically important. And what we say is important is often not urgent. It's worth seeing urgent and important as two separate conveyor belts, each delivering their own results. Unfortunately, being on one belt may take you away from the other. If you are driven by urgent, you may never get on the conveyor belt of important, unless, of course, important happens to become urgent. So, tip 7. The three laws of urgency. If you end up prioritising by urgent, three things will inevitably happen. 1. Everything you do will be urgent, because it's the only way things get done. Everything that's a priority is a priority because it's urgent. Number 2. Some important things happen too late, because they only get done when it's urgent which, for example, might mean they've not been given the proper time that their importance requires. And point three. Some important 
never happens at all because it never becomes urgent. Tip 8. Delete urgent and ASAP, which stands for as soon as possible. What does urgent mean? Suppose you return to your desk to find six post-its, all with a requirement to phone X or Y or Z urgently. You still have no idea what it's about, and what time is meant by urgent. Or the same applies to ASAP. What do they mean? Urgent really means time critical. That is, there's a clear deadline and it's imminent. In which case, the message giver should be able to tell you what that is. If you give someone the actual deadline rather than the indiscriminate urgent ASAP, then there is more chance they will meet it because they have a specific factual piece of information. If the deadline happens to be 3pm today, you are more likely to get a response in time if you say, can I please have this by 3pm today, rather than if you simply say, it's urgent. Going back to the six post-its on your table, it's really a lottery who gets the call back first. The decision will probably be made by guesswork, or whose name is on the post-it, but not by the imminence of the deadline, since that wasn't information on the post-it. So, if you want people to respond by a particular time or date, say what that day or time is. And then there is no further need to use the indiscriminate terms of urgent or ASAP. And by the same token, challenge others' use of the words urgent and ASAP and ask for the specific deadline. Say, of course I can do that. When would you like it by, specifically? Tip 9. Deadlines and durations. If I asked you to write a report and hand it in in two weeks today, how long would you have to write it? If you said two weeks, you'd probably be wrong. That would assume you had nothing else to do within those two weeks, which is, of course, unlikely. The deadline simply gives the point at which the task should be completed, not how long it should take which is the duration. It is duration that largely determines quality. Other things being equal, such as talent and effort, most tasks improve the longer you spend on them. The report mentioned is likely to be better if two hours are spent on it rather than two minutes. Yet two people could each meet the same deadline, whether they had spent two minutes or two hours. So in giving out or receiving tasks, Include a budget estimate of time to be spent as well as the deadline. This will give the individual and their manager an idea of how much time will be given to that task and thus realistically how much of the rest of that person's time is still available for other tasks. Whether a manager or a team member, which would you prefer? Six tasks with the same deadline of one week from now or six tasks with the deadline of one week from now with some idea of how long each task should take. Tip 10. Use sensible email headers. Use an email heading to give a clear indication of what the email is about. That way people can make a judgment as to whether to open it or not and when. Better still, agree a code to give even more information in the header. For example, 
The letter A means please reply within 24 hours. Letter B means please reply within a week. And perhaps letter C is for information only, i.e. no reply necessary. You could even include in the header the date by which a reply is required. All this helps the receiver decide which emails to open in which order. And there's a second key point. If your reply starts a new thread, a new topic, then put that in the header. If the original email was about X, but the reply contains X and Y, a new topic, then the header should reflect that. Otherwise later, the reader may search for the email that's all about Y, but can't find it by simply scanning the headers. So, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it or leave us a review. Remember, you can find full show notes on our website, plus a growing library of free resources which you can easily search by theme to find content that's relevant to you. We also offer workshops and coaching on a wide range of topics. Links to all of these resources are in the episode notes. Thank you.